In the land of hobbits and harfoots, elves and ants, goblins and gadriel, dwarves and Mount Doom, there is one that rules all, the One Ring. But what came before that One Ring? Well, here at Elves, Hobbits and Potatoes, we have taken the Buckleberry Fairy and we'll bring you an episode-by-episode look at the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. I'm one of your hosts, Emmett, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso to my coach, Beard. Chris Evans, Chris, how are you doing? What is a Buckleberry Fairy? The Buckleberry Fairy, that's what the, the little hobbits take when they, uh, they're they getting chased by the um, the ring wraith and they jump on the, the wood thing and they go and they're, they're, they get to, uh, where are they going? They go into the uh, the Prancing Pony and, they, they, and they're hiding underneath the, um, the, uh, the roots of the tree and the thing's looking right over top of them and Pippin throws a stupid you know, carrot somewhere. <laughs> and then and then and then the, the the ring wraith runs away and they're like oh no what do we do and they're like oh buckleberry fairy and they run and there's that the scene at night where they run and they jump on the the floating like a floating dock and they kind of roll their way across the uh, oh, across okay. the river yeah okay. the buckleberry fairy <laughs> okay <laughs> i have no recollection of that. i know the scene <laughs> but i didn't remember being called a Buckleberry, that's like a the tongue buck- twister yeah. of some sort. Yeah, I, I, I forget who says it, if it's Mary or Pippin, but he says it very quick. The Buckleberry Fairy, you know, it's, it like, all, it's like it's all one word. <laughs> it sounds like one of them. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you can understand that was one of those two fools saying it. For yeah, sure. it was one of those guys. Uh, I'm doing good, though. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, you, you know, it is interesting that you said, you know, the things that you miss. Um, and we talked about that before we got on air. The, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy the hobbit trilogy the books and everything there's just so much in them and you know you you factor in the extended uh, editions of those things there's just there's so much in um so much lore so much uh dialogue that can be missed and you know mm-hmm. a, a, as we're seeing the two of us i think going into five episodes now of rings of power you know just going back to to watch stuff from you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy to, you know, more or less fill in gaps or say, oh, well, that's different than how I remember it being. Or it's interesting how we're seeing parts of Rings of Power play out in, in stuff that we've seen in the in the trilogies. It's just interesting how this show is making us, I think, I think it's, it's making me anyways, want to go back and mm-hmm. revisit the Lord of the Rings movies so much more. Uh, you know, I feel that too. I, I'm always happy to rewatch them anyway. But mm-hmm. now I want to go back to connect the dots and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I there was a tweet. Uh, I think it was Cookie and I think Eric, our friends, were talking about it. And they were talking in a group chat that we have. And they were talking about the Hobbit trilogy and how there was something in those um, movies that made you think of something in Rings of Power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't get through all of the, the Hobbit trilogy. But again, and I, I said it to them, you know, for science, I should probably go back and make sure I really invest my time into the Hobbit films regardless of what I think of the quality of them, but just to, you know, immerse myself and to understand things a, a little bit more. Yeah, I feel that way too, because I have not watched any of them, and I wanted to, but around mm-hmm. the time they came out, I think I was wrapped up in something, who knows what. I just didn't get around mm-hmm. to them. <laughs> and then I heard they weren't very good, so I was like, well, I guess right. I'll wait till it's done, mm-hmm. like we would with a series. Right. <laughs> and usually if I wait for something to be done, I never get to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the longer you put things off, the longer it stays put off. <laughs> yeah, so I, I also would like to watch um, the Hobbit trilogy. Whether we do it, maybe maybe I do it before the finale of this or afterward. Mm. You're right, but I do want to get to those because I I have a feeling I'm going to want to consume more Lord of the Rings. 
when this yeah. is finished. That, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. By the end of it, and like who, uh, who knows how, how long season two is going to be from um, the end of season one. But I, I have a feeling in myself that I just, I'll just want to keep watching. Like I, I yeah. want to keep watching the show. I don't want the show to end as I'm watching it. So getting a fix of whether it be the Hobbit trilogy or the Lord of the Rings trilogy, just to you know, just to feel that that Lord of the Rings in my in my soul again. Right. Yeah. Like, Whenever the episode ends, I always say, "Man, I would love to play the Two Towers game." <laughs> <laughs> just to do the Two Towers battle again, that would be amazing. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the thing to do, and and other than read or other than watch the movies, is play a play an old school video game of it again ps2 or is that what the two towers one is that a ps2 game yes i can't remember what i think that's what it was i think i had that one or i played yeah. that one before i think they were all on um on the ps2 and then you had mm-hmm. like the the extra games that came out since then mm-hmm. um the shadows of mortal games are pretty good the first one is i i didn't get through the second one but the first one's really good too absolutely all right so chris let's get into episode five uh episode five is called partings um we get the uh harfoots back into it we get mm-hmm. a little bit of durin and the elves we get a little bit of Arindir, um, but we get a lot of numenor um so i'm not sure how you want to shake it out chris you uh, i think you decided last week which uh which direction you wanted to go so maybe uh maybe do that again for us this week where do you want to start mm, let's go at the start of it so it starts with i think it starts with nori and the spaceman I'm talking Okay, so let's talk with Nori. Um, and I guess we'll start with Nori and the Spaceman right away. So it feels like a little bit of time has passed. Um, and I think eventually it shows us that a lot of time has passed with these, with their, um, what are they calling it, their their quest or their... Um, well, actually, I don't think a lot of time has passed because in the previous episode, Galadriel and the Numenor guys were supposed to set sail within, I think, right. a week. Ten, yeah, a week or ten days or something. something like that. And they still were not setting sail. Okay, so before I ask you about that, and this is something I thought about last week, and I didn't ask you, do you think these storylines are happening at the same time? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say so because one of, remember one of them did reference the spaceman, so I think right. So. Yes, you you mentioned that. That's so right. I think they are simultaneously. I just okay, so I'll, I'll jump ahead because we're talking about timelines a little bit so in the, after nori and, and the spaceman talk and uh, poppy is singing her song there's like a map scene we're showing mm-hmm. them going a whole bunch of places it seems like they're traveling a long long way doesn't mm-hmm. it feel like that's why i felt like well was this a couple of weeks um and you mentioned like 10 days like they seem like they traveled a long ways in 10 days did you get a sense of and i think this is something we talked about last week as well trying to understand how long things are happening um, and I, it felt like for me that this map scene really was one of the first indications about how long uh, or how fast or how slow time is passing. I felt like they were going at this, you know, this 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 quest and this traveling for what felt like weeks. And it might be, but mm. that's something I think I would maybe fault the show with. There is no sense of time. Right. And it's really only if you pay attention to details in the backgrounds or mm-hmm. just certain pieces of dialogue because other than that there's no way to tell um mm-hmm. as far as the traveling it you would think it would be like a week or so just because mm-hmm. they don't move very fast they made that clear it takes yes. them a long time and we know from fellowship it took them three hours to go across middle earth 
<laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Even with their buckleberry fairies. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't really know. But I, they are, maybe they're moving faster because they have the spacemen. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I was, we, we see like a little bit of, um, and, and another thing that it made me feel about more time has passed with this group is because Spaceman is talking a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, being more vocal with, you know, Nori's like, I guess, more or less te- teaching him English, you know, what good is, what bad is, what, mm-hmm. uh, what killing is, what death is. Um, so I thought it was an interesting way to start the, um, start that episode with the two of them in an absolutely breathtaking, um, you know, scene of just them sitting on top of, uh, like a little bit of a cliff or whatever overlooking a, a great landscape. And then as we see, as they continue on with their um, migration, that's what I went to call it, their migration, we see a, a, a crazy amount of landscapes. We see swampland, we see um, mountain land and everything like that. Um, so what do you think about seeing Nori and the spaceman um, talking it out? And, you know, what, what, and it's very interesting how we, the last scene we see with the spaceman about, you know, what he he's trying to understand who he is still, what he was like, we don't know why he even came. He doesn't feel like he even knows why he came. Um, you know, what, what, what what's your sense on, you know, the way it started with Nori kind of teaching um, the spaceman about being good and the spaceman saying, you know, spaying to himself before their the migration really um, carries on and saying, I'm good. He needs to tell himself and, you know, reaffirm to himself that, oh, I am a good person. And, you know, I made a mistake with the fireflies mm-hmm. from a couple episodes ago, as Nori tries to explain to him. So what do you think about their little conversation to start it off? It reminds me of Frankenstein. Uh, oh, and the little girl? Mm-hmm. Right. It reminds me of Frankenstein. That right. is the very strong vibe I get from this. Hmm. Um, gentle giant and all, he can seemingly attack pretty quick if he needs to mm-hmm. um, as we saw later but yeah I get a Frankenstein kind of feeling from this and I I think it's very cool the way they're doing that because it's not I'm getting the sense when he came to Middle Earth he was born That that I think we talked about that last week that he, he felt like he was reborn or born in a certain way I, I'm starting to think he is just born now this is his, mm-hmm. his, this is his life right. so I think it also may further confirm he could be a wizard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, I like the I still like the relationship between him and Nori and the way she's taking her time and teaching him kind of how to be a person. Right. So I like that aspect. And I do like the last, the second encounter that we see with them, or maybe it's the last encounter, mm-hmm. when um, we kind of see what he can do. Yeah, I like, and you know, mentioned you mentioned briefly there about him. You know, we're really thinking he is a wizard. This is that was the first time after he's fighting the wargs. Um, they're in the forest area, and the kind of the migration is caught up to each other a little bit. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Nori is yeah. and, and Poppy are with one of the witches. Is that right? One of the Sadox kind of witches or yes, gypsies and they or whatever. Wanted, they wanted to take the wheel off. Aren't so they, they terrible are, people? They are liars. <laughs> they do not wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> they are uh, horrible liars. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the things I thought seemed like, oh man, the, 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 these lovely Harfoots are just slowly and slowly turning into very horrible people. Take and their wheels. Willing, willing to sabotage one of their fellow brethren because that they're falling behind and you know drawing more of the evil spirits towards them or or, or whatever so um yeah so um w- while the spaceman is doing that he uses a little bit of magic kind of a mm-hmm. 
and it was interesting. I I, I, compa- I, I thought of when um, Gandalf is fighting, or not fighting, but having a standoff with the, the Balrog, and he says, you shall not pass, and he kind of hits a staff on the ground, and it creates kind of a vibration about, and, I, and the spaceman kind of hits his arm on the ground, and it creates a wide um, vibration, and the, the wargs go um, flying away. So I thought that was kind of cool, seeing um, the first bit of magic from him, other than obviously talking to... Um, the fireflies and then as soon as he lands with the fire and everything he's still kind of controlling things but he doesn't know what he's doing so Mm -hmm. i guess it's the first real controlled magic that we saw from the spaceman which was interesting yeah i thought that was interesting because i didn't know if he was going to have control that stuff judging Mm -hmm. by the way it worked before but it seems like he does have more control now Mm -hmm. i guess maybe every day counts for him as far as learning and Mm-hmm. realizing what he is who he is plus nori teaching him hey this is language this is what you do this is what we do yeah yep yeah i agree um and before all that stuff which it, it was great it was great seeing the the spaceman stuff but th- this episode really started with a real moving real beautiful scene and i'm talking about this the, the map scene we touched on it briefly but it, it it's kind of blended with poppy singing a song mm-hmm. you know it, it seems very simple like uh, and we see that from the lord of the rings trilogy that um hobbits like to sing um that's you know they're very lovable singing you think um creatures in a way so the Harfoots and poppy particularly are singing this song um i thought the scene in general was a beautiful scene when we are seeing the characters in in the different um you know different uh, landscapes and everything like i mentioned and the you know the the lord of the ring or the indiana jones kind of map traveling um kind of thing which i thought uh, i like that kind of stuff i like to know where we are you know as much as we don't know how long time has passed it's nice seeing that their migration is straight up a migration like it's not just they're going on the other side of a mountain to you know greener pastures they're traveling a long long way and then poppy with this song and um, you know, and you mentioned it to me uh, at the, before we started recording about we, you wanting to mention something that she says, not all that wander are lost. I thought that it was an utterly like a, a beautiful song to begin with. Um, but then it really laminated, you know, my feelings for this episode and, and certain characters from this episode with the, this, the final line of not all that wander are lost. So, Chris, what how'd you feel about this poppy thing? I, you know, it could have gone off as cheesy, kind of a weird musical note in a way. Um, I don't think it went that way at all. At all, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful scene with Poppy and her and her song. You know, music seems to be a thing in the show because we even had um, Disa's song. And if I'm right. mistaken, there was another singing bit. I think there was. Maybe I'm off with that one. I can't remember. But uh, I liked Poppy singing. I liked the purpose of her song and the fact that it was her mother's song, and she singing it with um, Nori's family now. I think right. that, that's it shows that you know that's that's her adopted family now. They are family. And also when we see them struggling to migrate, Poppy's the only one with them. Everybody else left them behind. Right. <laughs> so I, I like Poppy's presence in that scene and the other scenes. I think that she's there I, I thought they were gonna develop her more as the Sam character, but right. she hasn't been around as much because I think mm. they're trying to develop more of the the Nori spaceman thing, which is cool. But I mm-hmm. hope that we do see more Poppy going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and much like Sam, kind of grows on you over the the three uh, three trilogy, uh, three movies in the trilogy. I think Poppy could do that same um, same thing as well. I think so too. And, and yeah, 
I mean, it, it's hard to not like the Harfoots because they're like hobbits. They, I mean, they are yeah. hobbits. It's hard yeah, not certain, to like them. Certain Harfoots. Oh, yeah. The hell with those other yeah, I, well, I had that written down in my notes here. Like, I was so surprised when, you know, Sadox gypsies are like, oh, let's just sabotage their, let's take their wheels off. I'm like, like, are you, we're, I guess we're surprised, but like, uh, maybe surprised isn't the right word, but I'll use it anyways. Are you surprised at the, the real harsh nature that, that the Harfoots, do you understand it? Like, well, I understand I, it, I think, because it's like, they're really, they're trying to survive. You know, and yeah. if a weak link is going to hold them back, then they have to move on from that weak, weak link. But moving on and then sabotaging on the opposite side, I think those are two different things. That's kind of where my issue is. I understand <laughs> you guys got to keep on keeping on. Got mm -hmm. it. Also, yeah. they're very superstitious creatures. We've noticed that right. too. Mm -hmm. Got it. Y'all think that the space hobo is has got the you know bad juju or whatever you want to call it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But you gotta take their wheels. That's a little vicious. Yeah. Uh, and you know he, he wasn't having it though. He's like he was not into what those ladies were, were suggesting. Well, then that that was an interesting thing, thing too. Like and Sadok, I think is a very likable character. And to, he is. I like Sadok. You know, he's got the book and he 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 knows things and you know it feels like the gypsies are kind of more feeling based and he's more very structured and, and mathematical in his in his decisions or mm -hmm. scientific, I guess, in a way. So like. I don't think he he's a mean spirit. Too. Yeah, he's not a mean spirited person like these gypsies are. You know, one for all or, or well, none I, for. You know, <laughs> I don't think they're mean spirited. Really, I just think that they're. We have to survive. I think that's what it is. Right. If we don't survive, no one will. And 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 more. Yeah, and more or less, they're not really wrong about it either. Because like bad things are, do kind of happen. Like without the spaceman, the 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 wargs would have got them. But with the spaceman and with them slowly getting behind, maybe the wargs don't come in, in general at all. So I I understand what there's what they're what they're getting at, but it's just it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around about sabotaging a family that you know the the father has the broken ankle and you know it's Poppy has her whole entire family that's gone and she's right, left alone. Like, like come on, you know, man. a little bit of compassion would would go a long way with these people. Bit. I think just a little bit. <laughs> That or, or do your, your um, I want to say it's a funeral service, memorial service, whatever you want to call it. Do yeah. that in private next time. <laughs> don't uh, don't uh, announce it to everybody. Um, so the last thing we see, and we, we, we or again, we briefly talked about this, but let's just wrap it up with the spaceman and his magic. So he does this kind of little arm thing and he smashes to the ground and the wargs go off and then he's injured. Mm -hmm. And he kind of he's he's healing himself, and he's kind of, I guess more or less he's like comatose because he doesn't know what's going on around him. He's got his hand inside. He's like in a trance or something. Yeah, he's got his hand inside of like a little pond, and there and the ice is kind of healing his hand. And Nori comes along, you know, curious Nori, um, and she's wondering what's going on. She touches his arm, and he, and she starts to get this frozen arm, and and like I was half expecting like a like a T one thousand thing of him Terminator two where he gets frozen and his arm her arm breaks off. I'm like, oh no, like her oh, arm's gonna be broken in half here. That would have been um, so horrible. That would have been horrible. I know. Um, anyway, so she kind of gets th thrown away, um, and you know we mentioned at the top where he says, "I'm good." He, he's understanding what good and evil is, mm -hmm. and we've talked about this kind of our theorizing about is this Gandalf if he's good because he likes these hobbits and that's kind of creating the relationship. But then this thing at the end where he he kind I got this look, I I got from this look in his eyes where he says, "Well, maybe I am bad." And then mm -hmm. it got me thinking, oh, is this a switch to maybe it's Sauron? And 
what do you think about that kind of a, a teasing our, our expectations a little bit at the end, whether he's good or whether he's bad? I, I don't think he's he's bad. I think that he just got stuck in that trance and didn't realize what he was doing. And maybe that was his realization. Hey, maybe I could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to keep myself in check and not chant while sticking my hands in ponds and whatnot. <laughs> right. <laughs> or wells. <laughs> you know, be mindful of your surroundings, Bruce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I like that. Very good. <laughs> Maybe we should do that a little bit more, but I, I don't think he's a, he's bad. Now, I, I I think it's cool in a way that they're keeping the mystery going. Like we don't know who he is, what he is, right? And I'm assuming we will find out probably in the finale. I think they're going to hold it, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I, I like the way they they're going back and forth, and now they're doing enough to where someone could say, "Oh, maybe it's Saruman." It's mm-hmm. not Gandalf. It's Sauron. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Sauron. Well, I thought everybody is Sauron. So I, I know, sure. I know. <laughs> Which I think we did see Sauron this time, but we'll get to that. I was going to say, speaking of Sauron, um, <laughs> so we get these like white cloaked, I don't, and they hid their ears for um, in, in, with these white cloaks. So I'm like, are these elves? And they're Targaryens. And we say, yeah, <laughs> we saw Adar, and with his ears, and I wanting anyway. So these cloak things kind of. They're kind of up on a cliff, and they look, they're looking down on where Spaceman kind of landed and crashed. Um, and they're they're looking at these little footsteps walking away, and we kind of see a very devilish and evil-looking uh, young guy um, along with two other people. Do you have any idea who these characters are, why they are, or what is even going on here? Another thing, like we're, epi- we're five episodes in, and we're still getting introduced to new characters. Yeah. Like, like, and that was our big one from last week when um, in Numenor, the uh, the Chancellor's son was introduced. I'm like, oh, there's an, another in, character. In Farazan? Farazan, the counselor. Yeah, we're yeah. like, it's just, it's just nonstop new characters. I'm like, I'm so surprised that this is all happening still. So we get these, um, and, you know, this white cloaked, evil looking, mystical beings of some kind. Um, you know, what would you think about the these, these white cloaked, um, people who seemingly know knew exactly where to go. I assume they followed the the spaceman down and into this crater or whatever. What what did you see from these uh, white cloaked mystics or whatever? So Sadik has the is it Sadik 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 yeah. But he had the book that talked about the spaceman. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's like a like a thing in Middle Earth. People know, mm. and I okay. think the this group is looking for him because. I'm starting to connect maybe a theory here. That I think I'm looking... picking up what you're lying down. Yeah. <laughs> we all know Saruman is good with the evil guys. So maybe right. Maybe that's what they are. They're looking for their wizard to to make the group, you know, they're like a like the NWO or something. I don't know. They're looking for their Hogan. <laughs> Not the sure here. Pack. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that they're the they're the bad group. Who of mm. course side with Sauron? Like this is his; these are his guys, and they're looking for their their wizard, their magic component, and right. they thought that he would be the one for them. And maybe well, he still is. Well, and that makes I hate that I didn't see that, but that makes total sense. Like this, the person coming down is oblivious to who they are and why they are and what they are. So I, all of a sudden, I thought it was the um, that 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 Clark um, the Superman story. What's the one where he lands in Russia? Um, oh, uh, red, red sun. Red sun. Red sun. So if if Clark Kent would have landed anywhere else other than on the Kent farm, he could have turned out oh, bad. 
Superman and Lois did it with um, Tal Rowe. Right, there you go. And, so, oh, and again, Frankenstein. If the little girl, if someone other than the, than the, than the kid met Frankenstein, who knows yeah. what he would have done. That is so interesting. So it's like a race to find these people. Right. You That's know, what I'm Why ever they're coming down and they get to instill whatever feelings they want onto this person. Mm-hmm. Nori is obviously, like you said, off the top. Print. He, she, she is trying to teach him good, what good is, what evil is. I'm, I'm assuming if these white cloak people found um, the, 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 the space hobo, they wouldn't teach him about good. They'd only teach him about bad. They'd probably enslave him or something. Right. Oh, or man. maybe teach him how to just, hey, you're evil, do some evil magic tricks. <laughs> Decapitate this goat. Put your mind. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that that that's a great uh, a great call, and it's something I didn't pick up. I just assumed that they were just looking for it for you know uh, no reason. But again, with, we're talking it out here. That makes total sense, and it also makes me wonder about. So, if this is Gandalf or this is Saruman, why is there only one that came down that we know? Like of. is 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 Sour and and I I guess they come down with yeah, maybe that's true. I guess you know Middle Earth's a big enough place; it could have went somewhere else. Yeah. Um, is it like do we know, know how big not. middle earth actually is like no, i'm really well, curious because aside from a map but well yeah but like are, yeah. are we to believe it's the size of like i don't know like north a, america right is it north america are we talking right. is it asia what is it mm, that's true because we just got introduced to numenor which is across the ocean yes and we know numenor is just a it's just you know kind of an island right it's not very large no. Oh, that's so, so interesting. I'm really interested to see, you know, if those mystics, you know, show up and mystics, show up to that's the word I was looking for. Is that the one? Okay. Well, that's, a, I assume, like they had staffs and, you know, the cloaks. Yeah, mystics and, you know. or um, zealots, whatever. Right. And, so, so, Sauron and, zealots. Well, and it's interesting what they're wearing, too. They're wearing white. Yes. Um, Sauron, obviously, he's he wears the white. And obviously, mm-hmm. I guess Gandalf, when he comes back, he is Gandalf the white. But that's the, the two that differentiate the two. Obviously, the the space hobo is very gray. He's got a gray beard, much like Gandalf did um, in Fellowship oh, yeah. and in The Hobbit, right? So, again, they're, yeah, exactly. So again, they're they're telling us a whole bunch of things, and it's still something that I want to wonder if it's if they're going to stick with the obvious, if they're going to just basically tell us that it's Gandalf. We say it's it's obvious to us, but I'm sure there's like True. there's like bigger fans than us who are already well. This is this because of this, mm-hmm. and um, but. I'm avoiding all the, those kind of takes just because I, I, I don't really want to be spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, as we just, we talked about off the hop, there's so much in it that there, you know, you can miss the smallest of details um, and everything like that. Um, so that pretty much wraps up Nori and the space hobo um, from and what I had written down and the mystics. Yeah. Um, it's like the 80s band. <laughs> the mystics. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's switch over to Arindir, Bronwyn, and Adar, and Theo, yeah. and Waldrug. Um, so we talked about last week how we thought that the group was going to be split mm-hmm. um, between you know, one half joining and one half not joining. And that's exactly what we got. Um, we got Waldrug kind of being the, um, again, a zealot of some kind or a follower of, of Sauron. And he takes his crew and they, and they peace out. Um, and even with, you know, Bronwyn trying to do her best and, you know, Theo's, he, he, he didn't go, but he felt like he wanted to, he didn't, 
Um, this we is learned... like Theo's redemption arc. Yeah, it's right. And and, I, and one of the things I was really surprised about Theo was him talking to Arindir, saying, yeah. oh, I haven't told you everything. I was really surprised about the again. I was surprised about Theo. I was I was expecting him to keep hiding this. You know, we find out that it's a key mm-hmm. and and not a sword. Um, I was really surprised about Theo. You know, saying you know what I, I I'm I'm too small. I can't handle this on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I have no idea what this thing is. And he asked for help. I thought that was really interesting. I like that he trusts him now. Because mm-hmm. before he he didn't trust him at all. He didn't trust any elf. Mm-hmm. But now he trusts him because he's seen the difference, I guess. Like, hey, these orcs tried to kill me. You helped me then. Waldrig was trying to get me to go do God knows what with some dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird all around. <laughs> and, and like, no, I'm staying here with my mom and you. We got this. Mm-hmm. So I think that it it's cool the way that he trusts him now. And I like the way that. So we both said Theo is kind of like rebellious. I think I called him a bastard kid multiple times. Yes. But, uh, but here he kind of he does the brave thing, you know? He doesn't just do what the villains want to do. Because Waldrick, as we can see, whether he's misinformed or not, is leading that group to do. Mm-hmm. And Theo, I think, recognized that, like, hey, this ain't for me. So he was smart enough to realize that. And now he's kind of training and show them mm-hmm. and dear look at this thing it's it's mm-hmm. not a toy i assure you yep i i, I like that uh you know the theo and Arindir are having this talk and you know theo says you know you 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 listen to us and you you spy on us and all, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and Arindir takes it the exact exact opposite i do all those things because i care yeah i care about the humans i care about you and i he obviously cares about uh theo's mother in a, in in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a certain way <laughs> So maybe a little bit more it, than it, other people, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, so I just like that, like uh, that, that this this thought from the 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 certain sect of the, the humans, they have this you know foul stench whenever an elf is you know spoke upon or mm-hmm. is in, in the vicinity or whatever. But the, the elves are the elves in this um, in this storyline. They're not backstabbing. They're not you know trying to figure something out. They are literally they care about the humans in a certain way. Um, in in the storyline, not the not the Durin and Elrond. Right, this one is uh, a little different. It, it, yeah, in this pocket of the elves that we've seen, um, you know, Rindir is a, a straight up, you know, no nonsense, truthful, honest person, or an honest honest elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I which again we found out more in this episode of, and it was just that stuff with Theo. Um, I was surprised we got more. Sorry, what's that? I was, I'm surprised it was a key also. Yeah, very interesting, and I think it was it was a little on the nose that the apparently the story of this key was on the wall of the, yeah. um, uh, on this elven, elven elven tower. Yeah, well, it doesn't say what it is, but it's got like it's it's it look again. It, it they call it a key, but it's basically a sword, and it's stabbed into uh, a human. I didn't really see. I didn't check. The uh, it looks like King that. Arthur style. You're gonna stick it in the stone or whatever, and then <laughs> that's right. All hell breaks loose. I'm assuming. Right, you know, and they mentioned darkness and light, and that's another thing from this episode that I got. Uh, aside from not all the wander are lost, and you know, again, being in the dark when you wander, um, that kind of thing. So darkness and light played a big part um, in this episode, and I was really surprised. But the and when the first time we see Adar, he's standing in the sun. You know, mm-hmm. he can still stand in the sun because he's an elf. And then there's a the orc that comes up and 
you ask him to take off his, his cool. sleeve or whatever, um, and it kind of burns or whatever. And he they and they talk about the sun. We were wondering why, and it, it's something about the sun that burns the orcs. And Adar says, you know, eventually um, we're 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 changing this. We're going to change the sun. We're gonna you know darken the world or or whatever. Um, you know, and we see Adar later on again when Waldrig and his, and his cronies all show up um, and then ask for allegiance and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know. Adar kind of gives Waldrick a test, like like in the Dark Knight Rises, you know, yeah. <laughs> or not in the Dark Knight Rises, but the Dark Knight, where uh, Heath Ledger's Joker breaks the pool pool cues in half and says, you know, fight it out in a certain way. And it, obviously, they didn't give a, they didn't give all yeah they didn't give Rowan a, a a pool cue or anything. But I, I was like, I was very surprised with this Adar guy. Like, if you want to join, you got to prove it in blood. Well, he's a no nonsense <laughs> kind of fella. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's right. he's not there to play. You know, and there was um. What what I really appreciated, and I thought it was an awesome display of how much these orcs are following him. The mm. orc just sat there while his arm was burning, right, and didn't flinch about it. Just took it, mm. and it all was just kind of just monologuing, really. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was shooting up the scenery, and the orc just sitting there burning. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it was cool the way they did that. And then yeah, that that um. That was something when he when he had Rowan down, he threw the dagger or whatever it was, and Walter mm-hmm. was just looking at him. And I mean, they leave it. We don't know what happened. I was gonna say, well, and that's twice now with this character that we don't see. Like he told Arindir, "I want you to deliver a message." He mm-hmm. doesn't say the message, and then he just goes. In this thing, he says, "Okay, Walter, you want to join? Take this and kill this kid." And I think, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of screaming and yelling, and I can't remember what the next scene is. And if it's intertwined somehow, if, I want to next... say it goes back to the the little colony that they built. Okay, I yeah, or, and I I know, and right after that, there's also like we they got all the orcs with their their torches and everything. We actually see how many they are, mm-hmm. kind of leading up to the, the this there's base a lot. A, a lot, and leading up to the base of this tower or whatever. So I assume that Waldrig did the thing, and that's the end of uh, poor old Rowan. Um, it just like. Yeah, it, it's brutal again this 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 storyline is the most brutal that we've seen but oh, yeah. they're not going over the edge they're not being gratuitous about it like we don't see need to see an old man killing a kid we don't need to see that we can understand it and we can still feel it <laughs> i don't know um, kinda... <laughs> do we need it i don't know maybe not but do i want to see it? Yeah, i, I kind of want to see it i right. want to see Waldrig stab the kid you know mm-hmm. i think yep. it's we got to see the evil, you know what I mean? To appreciate the, yeah. the, the light. Yeah, I, well, I I agree with you. I think there's a, a certain rating that the show is going for. <laughs> but... Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we have to see the Joker murder somebody so we, we can appreciate Batman knocking his teeth out. I get you. Uh, so, do you think that's do you think that's an actual fault that we're not seeing? The oh no, not, not at all. Brutal nature of it. No, no, it's it's brutal enough. I mean, Aaron Deer cut the right. orc's stomach open the other the other right. episode, <laughs> right? And we, I mean, um, I just went blank. What is his name in Numenera right now? Halbrand. Yeah, Hal Halbrand. Like we thought he was murdering people in that alley. So it's <laughs> right. it's, it's brutal enough. It's just that one detail is funny to me. Like that's what mm-hmm. that's where we draw the line here. That, that's where the line is. We're not going to let Waldrick murder the kid on camera if that's what happened. 
Uh, all right, so let's jump over to Hallbrand um, and jump over to Numenor. And and like we said, I think it was a week or ten days they were preparing to go, and hurrah, they're going, and mm-hmm. they're not really. Mm-hmm. There, there's still are. doubt, and there's still, uh, yeah, like they, they, it felt like they were on the precipice of of getting on a boat and just and just sailing away. But I guess they're not fully on board yet. Um, you know, the they're Queen Regent. A lot of pushback, and you know, it was, in, it was interesting. We mentioned Farazon and his his son. It was interesting the pushback that, that the counselor that Farazon was putting into this a little bit, and his reasoning mm. behind wanting to go and not wanting to go. We saw last episode. You know, he was in the in the courtyard there when the uh, when the um, like this gang of men were ready to team up and 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 out oust uh, Gladriel in some way, yeah. and then in this one, he's. A little more on the man side, a little more on the human side, and 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 further away from the elf side, and he, I think he's doing it in a very selfless way because he only wants what's best for man and, and the people of Numenor. Um, I just thought it was interesting that the 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 Farazan kind of character um, progression in this episode. Well, we just see more of him. I think that's the thing we're seeing mm-hmm. more of him speaking in private in this mm-hmm. episode, whereas we didn't really get right. before. So we're just getting more of his personality. And I, I like that he's kind of, I wouldn't consider him bad. He's not. He just has a way of looking at it and what's best for man, what's best for Numenor. Now he does say the elves will bow to them or something like that. That's kind of That's wacky. Right. I don't know where he's getting yeah. that from. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll put that aside for a minute and say he means <laughs> well for his people. Yeah, and it'll be interesting if he makes the trek. Um, I didn't see if he was on one of the ships. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he's going. I think he's going to stay home and hold okay. down the fort. From what I gathered, <laughs> him, him is uh, his kid who tried mm-hmm. to set the boat on fire. Yeah. Oh, lousy punk. Yeah. Um, so again, so let let we'll stick with the, his son in the fire, and you know, a sealed door is. You know, he's on the outs again. Another thing, I felt like you know he put his hand up, he was ready to go, but he's not. You know, his father. Um, is not ready to 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 let him go on this journey. You know, mm-hmm. Isildur up until the basically the last up until that fire on the boat hasn't done what is expected of him. Um, he he was on the the navy ship and he he and he didn't do what is what was expected of him um, the entire time. And obviously, we know what Isildur's path is, but before he gets on the path that he evidently dies on the path that he's on now he doesn't want that path you know mm-hmm. when we mentioned it all not all that wander are lost you know he, he's at this point he is lost um because he he wants something but he's not able to do it whether his father um won't let him his actions won't let him his friends won't let him yeah um you know i i, I really got the uh, i really uh, growing again well the more we see of Isildur, the young Isildur, I'm really starting to 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 like this character. This this young uh, character who who wants something more, wants to be able to, and again, something that he's called to. He's being called to Middle Earth, and he doesn't understand why, but he he knows that there's something out there for him. And through his father, who is his very judgmental father, who has mm-hmm. very high expectations of him, his sister, who also has expectations of him, and you know just just not fulfilling the expectations of of everyone around him i really really felt for isildur in a lot of ways and then when he makes that that decision at the end to lie um for um the, the Farazan son and kind of bring everything together and 
you know, basically lie, but then bring his father and um, everyone back around on Isildur's side. It just, I like the, the progression of Isildur in, in this episode. I like the character. Mm-hmm. I think that they're doing a good job with establishing him and kind of expanding on him slowly at first, mm-hmm. I think. And now we have a much better idea of, of who he is and what he wants to do. And he feel I think there's a purpose for him now. I still don't, I'm still having a hard time connecting the dots between this version of him and the one that we get later on. But yeah, um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm enjoying the journey, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I like his father. I, you called him kind of judgmental, but well, it's it just again, he it feels like they're just kids. Like I, I, I assume they're early twenties or yeah, late teens like in a certain ways, but. It's just like his his father is a very proud member of the Numenor, mm-hmm. you know, community. He's the, the whatever he is, the king of the navy, the Numenor navy, or something. He's like the right head of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Ma- like and, well, or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and obviously, we know what happens. Just like we know what happens with Isildur, we know what happened to with Isildur's father. Um, like again, the the, pro- the progression of these characters is very interesting, and what we know of with how both of their journeys end. And what they are now, I just feel like his uh, Sildar's father, Elendil, just wants so much more from his son. Mm-hmm. And his son, at this point, from what we've seen of him, hasn't proven that he's capable of 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 living up to any expectations that his father, or, uh, Numenor, or the Southlands, or you know Gondor, or whatever, yeah. are, are going to put upon him. But I like that. I like that we're going to see I do this too. journey. This is it's yep. a cool thing to to see this journey with the, the character. Really, I think that's the thing with a lot of these characters that are younger versions. We're seeing the journeys and, you know, like you and I have said before, we're not that well versed. So we only know what we see. Right. Or what we remember at some points. Yeah. (laughs) What we can remember that we saw. That's probably more important. (laughs) The better way to describe it. So I I enjoy the journey with them. And I think the thing that really stood out to me about the relationship to him and his father in this particular episode is, yeah, he's on the boat at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got horse crap. He's shovel- yeah, he's shoveling shit. Yeah, yeah, he's got horse shit duty. So I, I like that. <laughs> and also, the sister, I still don't understand her purpose. Yeah, she just like stalks the community, mm-hmm. pops in here and there, says a couple of things, mm-hmm. and then I don't get it. Uh, and it, I assume that she's left behind as well. Yeah, Uminor. I'm assuming maybe her and the chancellor and his son. Yeah, maybe they have their own pact, and let's hate the elves together. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. I think they're showing her for a reason. Like, oh well, yeah, there has to be. I'm just surprised from, they're holding it. Yeah, and I and, and it'll be interesting now that we know that the Numenor and Galadriel and 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 others are headed to the Southlands. Now, or are we gonna get still a, a storyline on Numenor? Oh, I think I might have asked that last week too. Are we gonna stick to them and see what happens to them? Because um, well, obviously we know that Numenor ain't going to end very well, um, right. so it's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. Well, now that we know every all the big characters are leaving, I think now it's more mm-hmm. of a question. Because before right. we didn't know everybody was going. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The, I don't think we knew um, Hal Ryan was definitely going. We didn't. So that was a surprise. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, I I felt like after last episode that there was no question that they were going, but the Queen Regent wants everyone on board. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gladriel's United basically Trump. lying. Yeah, Gladriel's basically lying to her the whole time. Saying, "Oh, he's fine. He, he'll, <laughs> he'll, when when the time comes, he'll he'll do it." But you know, we see Halbrand. He's he's um, you know he's a smith now. He's got the the little the sigil or whatever. So he's working away, and he's a hell of an iron worker. Sure. Um, like the, he's the one guy he looked at. He's looking at his work, and he's really really good. And he's 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 more or less content to not be the the you know the king of the king of the southlands or, or or the leader of the southlands or whatever king of the north king of the north <laughs> um you know but galadriel gives him you know gives him a basically a stern talking to yeah and i thought it, i thought it was really interesting that the scene between the two of them and how it was shot i don't know if you noticed this but there was a lot of close-ups on the face mm-hmm. i did of galadriel i thought that was a very interesting choice um, and I was, I kept waiting for, you know, usually when they do that, it's Gladriel talking to us, the viewer. And I kept mm-hmm. waiting for a certain line or whatever. But I just think they were just really focusing on Gladriel at this time, um, letting us know how important she is and everything that she says. You know, she, she, she's very purposeful in, in everything that she says and letting us hear it and um, showing us that Hallbrand, you need to hear what this woman is saying to you because it, it's, it's going to matter in a certain way. And then we see at the end, where the queen regent, you know, is, is, or Gladriel says, you know, she's going to call you mm-hmm. to this meeting and you, you are going to show up. And if you don't show up, this whole thing is off the table. Like you were basically, you know, giving up on your people in, in a certain way. Um, you know, and if there was ever a fist bump moment in this show, this, this was that when he, the, 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 you know, some, some, um, a suited up armored Numenor guy says, Oh, the queen regent, uh, it, it wants your, um, your uh, presence at a, a council meeting or what have you. And he throws his, uh, whatever it is, this little, the sigil or little necklace thing that he wears. that like shows that pouch. he's the king of, yeah, a little pouch. So he throws it down and we kind of focus on it. And they, it's, it's a, it's a pretty plain trope. It's, they use it in lots of different things. And you knew he was just going to come back and grab it. Mm-hmm. But when he grabbed it and the very next scene, he's him on a horse. Yeah. The music hits, he's on his horse. He's got his armor on. I'm like, yeah, Halbrand, my man. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> It's like, oh, and it, it wasn't a big moment. He wasn't holding a sword or or what have you. But you know, the Halbrand coming around in this episode, uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed Halbrand coming around and joining the fight, as it were. I did too. I, I thought it was the way he comes around is what mattered to me. He didn't just decide like, oh, right, like randomly. I guess I could help. Galadriel had to kind of instill, this is your duty. You know, you are more than a. A blacksmith right so that i like that part of it but for me like in the numenor stuff at least i was gladrio mm-hmm. like i like Hallbrand's bits were cool and all but I, this episode galadra was like a force like yeah. when she has the fight with the all the cadets yeah so cool that was amazing <laughs> and it's choreographed so well mm-hmm. like i didn't even realize when she got hit i didn't i didn't catch it so it, it was a, a really cool fight and just the way her character is handled in, in this episode. And it also, like what I said last week, how she's really just stern. There's not much emotion mm-hmm. going on here. No. And and I like that they continue it even, you know, when she is being lighter, when she's essentially playing with the... Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. She, she's having yeah, a ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, I did like that scene. I liked, you know, I, Halbrand kind of kicks the sword up at the yeah. end there and she gives him a, a fancy move for a, a, an iron worker or something like that, right? <laughs> that was a fancy move. And the way he just yeah. hands the sword over like friend. 
Yeah. Like, this guy's gonna be king. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this guy's gonna be badass and he's gonna he's gonna do some cool things with the sword. Again, so Hullbrand gets kind of a suited up kind of moment and she gets the same thing mm-hmm. uh, where she's walking up from the, the deck and she's got her, her metal armor on. So they're they're on their way to the Southlands and you know, just it, uh, and that's why again I asked this at the start about if they're going on at the same time. Like mm-hmm. I Time passes weird ways in certain things, but I assuming on a I assuming on a boat it takes what does it take on a boat a month? You know, we don't know how far three it is. weeks. I have no idea. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, and maybe that's maybe that's why they're not telling us because they did they they can not tell us how long things take and they just get more leeway that way. Well, I mean, but they the can't show us like a GPS or anything. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, yeah, there's <laughs> there's no Google Maps saying right, how long things show, take. So I, I get it, but some kind of indicator would be nice yeah it's because the the stuff in the southlands it's it, the, the 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 enemy are at the gates of that elven tower so um i assume that like, and we assume this i think it was a couple weeks ago that we assume that the numenor people in galadriel and hellbrand they're going to show up at exactly the right time and and fight off these orcs and maybe so i would think if that does happen then you are then i think you're correct that it is not the same timelines right just kind of so, off-centered just a bit right just to show us, hey, this is what was happening here. Is what ha-. And then it comes together. Maybe mm-hmm. that that is the way it is. I, I don't know. I didn't think about that until yep. you mentioned it just now. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Deer uh, says that they won't be to the gates until like a... First he says maybe days, maybe hours. Or hours. That's a big difference. <laughs> a huge difference. That's a big difference, yeah. man. <laughs> days or hours. Yeah. One hour or 24 of them. Like that's a big difference them. there. Maybe yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that Theo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Numenor got a lot of time in this episode. It's got a lot of time in the last episode too. Oh, yeah. um, you know the Adar stuff and Bronwyn and Arindir is a little bit. Um, Nori and the Spaceman a little bit, and the same with uh, what comes next, and that's Durin um, and Elrond and, and the Elves. Again, a small amount of time, but it's interesting how important all three of the shorter storylines really are. Um, and we're getting to my favorite parts of the part of the episode, which was the Durin and the elves thing. Um, and that King elf, I tell you, he's a real son of a bitch. You know, <laughs> he, he, I, I don't like the, I don't like the look of that guy. I don't like what he says. Oh man. I, he, anyways, so. <clears throat> he reminded me of one of the elves from, um, he, uh, he was in the, one of the elves from the first one. I don't remember his name, but he's played by the guy that we're about to get like six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon here, I think. but Or seven, whatever the hell the game is called. Um, yep. Do you remember the movie Triple X with Vin Diesel? I didn't see it, but I didn't remember it, yes. Okay, the villain in that, his name is like Martin something. It starts with a C. Anyway, uh, I can't pronounce it. It's like, I think it's pronounced Kozaks or something. Mar- Martin Kozaks. He plays Yorgi. Yeah, okay, I know that guy, yep. Okay, I think he played the elf that I'm reminded of from this one, or maybe the guy just looked like him. Either way, <laughs> it's okay. I can. I, I don't uh, mind. He the, was in. Yeah, he plays uh, Celeborn or Celeborn. There you go. In in the Fellowship and Return of the King. That's the guy. So, Gilad. I think his name is Gilad. Um, the King Elf. He mm-hmm. reminds me of that elf because they have the same kind of demeanor and that same kind okay. of. I'm sort of a, a jerk face, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hide it. <laughs> But I actually like this one, so that's fine. Uh, I I just like, like, like much like Farazon the counselor is 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 a certain way about his own people. 
the king a king elf is also a certain way about his people. Yes. Um, so anyway, so Durin and is at a, a dinner um, with the elves, and they're kind of talking a little bit, and um, it's, it's it's so interesting how far apart these two races are. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one thing that I that I that I, I I had written down here is they're 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 further apart than they are together, um, you know. And you know the king elf makes a a, a kind of a, a jab at the the customs of 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 the dwarves. I missed that part, but then you know Duran kind of tells the story about what this table is and how much <laughs> it means to his his family. And we find out later that it was a lie. And oh man, it's, anyway, so funny. Um, so the table my it, idea. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted, yeah, Disa just needed a new table or something. Uh, anyway, it's very funny. Anyway, so I, I, I was just on the edge of my seat every time that a, a dwarf and an elf were in a, in conversation in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, and I'll, I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end about how on my seat it was or on the edge of my seat it was on this one. But so what you, what do you think about this? That this and it, it felt like again more time passed, a, a quick jump where there's no travel time for Elrond mm-hmm. and Durin. They're just they're there and they're 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 hanging out and that's fine. Anyways. So we, we, we find out, what, what do you think about the relationship between these two, about Prince Durin and the King Elf? Um, and this, this, this you know, stereotypical um, nature that each one has about each other's race, you know, the elves and the dwarves, and again, how far apart they are. What, what do you think about just this initial conversation at this, this, this nice long dinner table and an Elrond in the middle with just a worrisome look on his face the whole time. Like this is going to really quick. Yeah, Elrond exactly. Elrond is the audience. Like, oh, is this happening? Is, is this going to happen? Uh, I, it's kind of what I expected from the High Elf and mm. uh, and Durin. That's that's what I expected because we were. I think that they tried to to tell us and make it clear that Durin only likes Elrond, right? And vice versa, really. Yeah. <laughs> Or I, no, actually, I don't think Elrond has a problem with any of the dwarves, but it, mm. it's definitely one-sided when it comes to Durin. He really only likes Elrond. Mm. So, with the king being the way he was, I, I expected that. I, I didn't expect the reveal, though. Yeah, That's, that was that came out of out of nowhere for me. Yeah, too. But the, their banter and stuff, I enjoyed it. I, I actually mm-hmm. felt for Durin when he explained the story about why the the material was important to him at the table. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and then the way the king kind of comes back at him, and well, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's yours, right? <laughs> but then he has that moment later on with Elrond before the reveal that I was like, oh, this guy is a jerk, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we there's that little dinner conversation, and then a little bit later on, you know, the king elf is asking Elrond, and basically he he lets out that this was the reason we sent you there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then Silibrimbor um, also. Uh, comes out with it but why he knew why Elrond was sent there so it's just interesting that they're also as much as they lie to different races as well the the inter, inner lies of the elves um they're also lying to each other which I thought was interesting anyway so we find out that the king elf and they they sent Elrond to this to the mine to look for something that will save the elven race and we get this pretty you know fantastical um I don't even know what it's called it, it's not like a I don't know what kind of scene you would call it because it it wasn't um, like natural or realistic in a way. The, when yeah. they're talking about this, um, whatever whoever this this elf is, it's like the god or mm-hmm. like the, the 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 one elf or or whatever the elf that rules all or, or what have you. The elf of Valar, I think it is of or of the the the, the elven um, 
the elven heaven or whatever. Anyways, what do you get a sense of what that scene was where they're talking about, you know, there's a battle between this elf and, and the, the Balrog of Morgoth um, and the tree and the lightning strike and everything. Did you, did that pull you out of it in any way? The, the, the oh, nature no. of this, uh, no. why do you think it, why do you think it was like that where it wasn't, I don't know how to explain it. Can you explain it a little bit about it, what this scene was? Yeah, because it wasn't like a montage, and it wasn't. It didn't look like it was within the show itself. It kind of looked yeah. like, you know, how in a movie they show us a storybook, like a page of a storybook, and the page flips, mm-hmm. and that gets us through an origin right. or some shit. That's kind of what <laughs> this was, but yeah. on a, such a grand scale. And mm-hmm. I don't really know how to describe it either, but it was mm-hmm. different, and you knew yeah. it was different. But for me, it didn't take me out. It actually kind of pulled okay. me in a little bit more because it was yeah. so interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. And the visuals of this show, like we've never said they're bad, I don't think. No. And nope. this particular episode just kept hammering it home. This is a pretty show. Whether mm-hmm. you like what's going on or not, this show is gorgeous. Yeah. And so I, I was not pulled out at all. And I, I like the story of it. Uh, seeing that elf in the Balrog just kind of fight over a tree, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful, and it mm-hmm. it was um, intriguing because we've never heard any of this before that I know of. Not, yeah, you and I have never heard this before. <laughs> so I thought it was neat. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the special effects with the, with the tree, like when it, mm-hmm. when it got hit by lightning and it goes through the tree and stuff, Really yep. cool. In a way, it, it reminded me of um, kind of like a 2D action sequence in a video game. Mm. That's sort of that's what it a, reminded me of. That's interesting, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. That it, I, I just asked you the question to see if it took you out of it. It didn't take me out of it either because I was so fixated on what was happening. You know, we talked about it last week about the Balrog and about, you know, the, the mines and, this, and the Mithril. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, you know, this Balrog is in there somehow. And we see that now. Mm-hmm. This Mithril that is in the Dwarven mine, which is in Khazadun, was created by the, um, this Balrog of, of, of Morgoth and an elf. So I, and that, the thing about this, this king elf being a jerk, he's not a jerk, but he's just acting a little bit jerky. Um, but you can, again, you can understand why he's acting this way. Obviously, when he, um, uh, the king elf shows Elrond the tree and he shows him that it's dying, it's got the, all the black on it. We mm-hmm. saw that all the way at the start. I think it was the first episode maybe the second episode um and he explains why he sent gladriel away you know gladriel yeah. is look and i mentioned this you know gladriel is looking for evil and what happens mm-hmm. when you look for it you find it they mm-hmm. don't want to find it they, they want to <laughs> delay it as much as possible um but it obviously didn't help you know and that's the other thing you can't hide you can't hide from things you can't you know hide in the darkness you need to go towards the light and blah 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 blah, blah. anyway so I, I really like that the, the, they're giving a reasoning between what this mithril is too. Um, you know, Duran says, you know, we've never seen an ore like this before, and this this ore this and from what we know of the elves, how light they are, and you know, we see Legolas walking on snow, and what this mithril is, it's really light, so it makes sense that it's a, an elvish, um, you know, an elvish brand, or, or it comes from an elf in, in a certain way. So I like that the kind of a, the backstory on mm-hmm. on what this mithril. Um, and, I never you know, knew it was before this. Yeah, and I just and I didn't know whether it was an ore. I didn't know they dug it out of the ground. I assumed it was metal of some kind, and they yeah, just kind of made it in some kind. They like do some enchantment or something, and it's oh, it's yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's regular steel, and they put a, a, a you know a, a little magic on it. Yeah. Um, 
Milk stuff. Anyway, so I, I, I like the backstory, and I and we, I asked this last week. Okay, so the dwarves have this mithril, but from what we've seen in the Lord of the Rings, they don't have it. The elves have it. Mm-hmm. So then we flash forward a little bit in between. You see Elrond. Oh man, is Elrond in a, in a terrible place here? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got he's got this secret. He's got this horrible secret, but he's also got his friend, um, and he doesn't want to ruin his friendship. Of you know, he's he's just trying to get back now. You know, twenty. He lost the friendship for twenty years, and he's trying to build it back up again. Um, and you know, him going, him having that conversation with Doran was painful to watch because I'm like. I don't want them to not be friends. Yeah. I want this to work out. I want Elrond to say the exactly right thing. And I want Durin to say the right thing. And it completely blew my expectations away. You know, Durin blew my expectations away of how he responded to Elrond asking about this Mithril. I, I loved it so much. Were you surprised though? That he was so easygoing about it? Absolutely. Considering what happened with his father last right, episode. Right. When his father said, you know, go there and find out what the hell's going on, you know, and, and we see why Durin doesn't want to do that. He wants his father's approval, but he doesn't agree with his father's ways. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll change as it goes forward. Um, but, you know, it, you kind of understand it why and you can understand why Durin was so easy about it, because Elrond said, you know, the fate of the elves are in your hand. <laughs> and Durin's. Say that again. <laughs> Say that one more time. So they kind of they they do it in a certain way that Durin is. It makes him feel like he's a very important guy. So you understand why he was so easygoing about it. Well, then also I, he I think he you know the way Elrond says it, it's it makes it um it kind of confirms that hey I didn't know what they were sending me for. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to yep. be doing. Yeah, I'm sorry, and mm-hmm. you know we're all gonna die unless you help us. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we're just going to fade away into ash and be in. We're going to go on that boat. And we're not coming mm-hmm. back this time. So I, I, yeah, well, I like that scene a lot. Yeah. And like, like Elrond is a, a truthful. He's honest. He's straightforward. And he, he, he really, he, and you can honestly see it. He cares so much for mm-hmm. Durin. And, you know, we see them at, you know, I, I just cannot get enough of their relationship. I, I just I just love it when they're talking. I love it they're in their mannerisms. I love the looks Elrond gives Durin because he knows he knows everything about this man. Yes. You know, Elrond knows he knows everything about this Durin. I, I just I can't get enough of their relationship. I, I love it so much. Um we also got some of the best lines from <laughs> from Durin in this little conversation. I wrote them down. Uh, enough with the quail sauce. Yeah. Give me the meat, give me the meat and give it to, me, to me raw. Me. That one stood with me. Yeah. And I've been waiting for a time to use it. Yes, I know. I, I just, you know, when we, we pointed out last week with Disa and, and her and the were her phrasing of things, Duran's got the same way. Just, you know, enough with the quail sauce. I love that one. That's a, re- what was it? That's a recipe for good soup. Was that what it was? Good gravy. That's a recipe good gravy. for good gravy. Yeah. That's a good gravy. Well, it's funny. Give, me the uh, meat, give it to me raw. Sadok had a funny line earlier in the episode too that I wrote down here. He says, "Plain as lip fungus." Yeah, I thought that one. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. The, the, um, so door that's speak all. Is great. Yeah, door speak. So that's all of the uh, the storylines we we not talk about. And one of the things we didn't talk about is we we talked about last week, and it was kind of our overarching thoughts of this episode. Chris, this is my favorite episode of mm-hmm. the series so far. Episode five. Um, I said that uh, conversations had me on the edge of my seat. Like there was no huge battle. Adar mm-hmm. talking to Waldrig 
if he's going to kill this kick, I'm like, is Walter going to kill this guy? Um, you know, and Hallbrand, is he going to, is he going to help them? Um, you know, Elrond Durin talking, is this the end of the relationship? Is Durin going to be pissed off and that's going to be the end of him? Um, at the end where you know, the, the hobo spaceman is, is questioning whether or not he's good or not. I'm like, the simplest of things, hardly any action, but conversations had me on the edge of my seat in the entire episode. I also think the episode was the best one to look at. I thought the camera movements were really, really good. We briefly talked about it with the King Elf and Elrond at the tree, where it follows the the, the black goo up the tree around a branch, and then all of a sudden it zooms right in on Elrond's face, and I'm like, "Whoa, what? That, how'd that happen?" And we talked about <laughs> the Balrog, and we talked about the 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 you know the the God Elf or whatever it is. So, and just the storylines, we're we're seeing these storylines. They're they're coming together. They're they're everything's working in a nice neat little package. Um, but there's still things that surprise me as well, even though I'm seeing an end game with the Numenor people going to the Southlands and all that kind of stuff. It's just everything's surprising me about it in the way that they're they're talking and the way that they're moving and, and everything. It's just, and how excited I was for Hallbrand to, to get his suit on and just get suited up. It's like I, I just this was the, my favorite episode night and, and we talked about it. I just want more. I just want more of this show. I want to watch it some more, and I, I just want to be more invested in this world. Chris, overall, what would you think of Episode 5 of Rings of Power, Partings? We have not had a bad episode yet. Um, I don't know if I can call this one my favorite. And it's not because it was an amazing uh, mm-hmm. Again, we have not had a bad episode. But I'm just not sure where I would rank it yet because I haven't sat down to really think, well, which one do I like most? Yep. Uh, even now I'm trying to put that together in my head and I can't, I just like mm-hmm. them all. <laughs> this yep. one though, I do agree probably had the best visuals of the five. Mm. This one took the visuals to another level in my opinion, because it's not just the thing with the tree and the elf and the ball mm-hmm. rock or mm-hmm. just that gorgeous scene with the tree and, and Elrond mm-hmm. that was jaw dropping. I think I even messaged you that. <laughs> yep. Um, but there's just so many pretty shots here and the way it, some of the actions choreographed that we see, it looks really good. There, mm-hmm. it, when the ships were blowing up, it looked amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. This is probably the best visually. Um, and I also just want more. I almost wonder if I would have preferred that they did the entire season in one drop. Mm. Cause this is a show where as soon as it ends, I'm looking for that next episode and I'm not watching the previews either for the next one. I'm not watching those. I'm Mm -hmm. just taking it all in at once. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want as much of the show as I can have right now. (laughs) More Lord. I'm in a full on Lord of the Rings mode right at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. It it will be interesting to go back and watch it. If you know, if you ever do watch it from, you know, over a course of, I guess, two days from episode one, all the way to, to episode, um, episode eight how the story flows mm-hmm. in a continuous nature where there's no um you know ending to an episode or you know if you watch instead of the, the there was a, the first two episodes drop but say you watch the first three episodes in a night and then you watch the next three and then two after that it'll be interesting how it does flow um yeah. i hadn't thought about i haven't i hadn't thought about uh you know if they just did a like a netflix dump um on a friday and how it would have how it would have viewed um, i'm curious yeah that's interesting all right, Chris, that's episode five, Partings. Um, our thoughts on it, we go pretty deep in it, and we're both, again, still loving the show. 
let's get on out of here. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at that Chris seven zero, but as always, I prefer you follow the show at G of the geeks. Uh, Emmett is better with the other plugs and whatnot. You can follow me on Twitter at Emmett Davis seven gathering of the geeks is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, just search gathering of the geeks and you will find us. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. And in saying all that for Chris and I'm Emmett and we gather on Sundays. That's a recipe for some good gravy.